Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Welcome in, everyone, to Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. As we chat on this Monday, it's good to finally have some concrete news for a change. Instead of spending an entire episode dissecting the back and forth of various Carmelo Anthony rumors from the various great reporters across the NBA landscape, we actually have some news to discuss. Broke late yesterday, courtesy of Chris Haynes of ESPN, that the Rockets have timed Luke Baamute for a minimum contract. It's a really good signing. Baamute, long considered one of the better wing defenders in the entire NBA, He's not really much of an offensive player, averaged six points a game last year in his 22 minutes, though he did bump up his three-point shooting to 39%. Now, that's kind of out of line with his career norms. I wouldn't call him a three-point marksman just yet. The sample size was pretty small, averaged just 1.4 attempts per game. But even if he's not a 39% three-point shooter, even if that's not sustainable, getting a true wing defender, one of the better ones in the league, for a minimum contract is a really big deal for the Rockets. They came into this offseason prioritizing more toughness, more wing defense. We thought they got it with P.J. Tucker. Now you add Bamute on top of P.J. Tucker, and all of a sudden the Rockets, with those two guys and Trevor Ariza, have a long stable of wing defenders that they can throw against the likes of Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and other long forwards in this upcoming season. And I hadn't really thought of him as a possibility for the Rockets. Perhaps I should have, because obviously he has a relationship with Chris Paul. Both veterans played in the Clippers the last two years. If you look back through Google, there are plenty of positive quotes from Chris Paul about Bamute. But beyond that, I didn't think he was a fit for the Rockets. Because not only can the Rockets not offer the most money, this is a guy, if you look at my Twitter feed, I linked to an article yesterday going into free agency. Someone expected him to get about three years, $30 million. In other words, right about what Andre Robertson ended up getting, a fairly similar def- defense-oriented player in Oklahoma City. Now, Robertson's a little more athletic than Bamute, and he's also a two-slash-three, whereas Bamute's more of a three slash four, but they're both defense first players. You can also point out that even though Bob Mute isn't quite the athlete that Robertson is, that he is a better shooter, 66% from his career at the line. That's obviously much better than Robertson. No one's going to say Bob Mute is a great shooter, but he's at least serviceable there. You're not going to hack him most likely. And then the three-point shooting, as I said, 39% last year. Even if that's not sustainable and he goes down to the low to mid-30s, that's plenty good enough for him to play with his overall defensive ability. I just didn't think it was a fit for the Rockets, even though they could use him, certainly. It's that A, the Rockets only have a minimum, and B, even if a guy like that somehow signs for the minimum, the reason they usually sign for such a discount is because they're in a good situation where they can get a lot of playing time and essentially build up their value for their next contract in a year or so. Bamute, he's essentially making it clear he wants to win. Even though he's 30 years old and this, in theory, was his chance for a payday, He's going to a team in the Rockets where he's coming off the bench. He's not going to have a defined role of more than 15, 20 minutes tops, but he wants to win. He obviously has a great relationship with Chris Paul, and kudos to him. I didn't think it could happen, but I'm happy to be pleasantly surprised with a guy like Bob Mute being available for the minimum for the Rockets. And as far as the immediate implications... Yeah, it firms up your defense, it firms up your rotation. Right now, like I said, 
you look at last year, Trevor Ariza was really the only guy they could throw against these longer forwards, especially the perimeter-oriented ones like Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant, if you get to that matchup. And in today's NBA, that's just not enough because there are screens, you have to switch a lot, and beyond that, there's just general fatigue. And I think sometimes Ariza being the only guy that could pick up forwards such as that, I think that also tended to wear him down a little bit, and that contributed to some of the wide variance we saw in Ariza's three-point shooting percentages, among other things. So I think it should help a lot. When you look at how dynamic the Rockets were as a defensive team against Oklahoma City, the series they won in the first round, the key theme that the Rockets kept coming back to when we asked them about their success against Russell Westbrook was in their ability to give him different looks. Beverly would guard him at times, Ariza would guard him at times, Eric Gordon did as well, and so he never got comfortable, and also the defenders never got tired because they could constantly rotate different guys, and even if Oklahoma City went around a screen, did something to switch up the defenders, then other defenders were also capable of at least disrupting him and presenting some challenge to Russell Westbrook. Well, when you go against these big forwards, that's where the Rockets were a little bit lacking because it was Ariza and not much else. You just didn't have the length, the combination of length and physicality that you need to pick up those guys. So that's where it's really going to help because when you go up against the other big name teams in the West, again, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, you can also throw even Draymond Green and Klay Thompson in the mix. You have a lot of really long swing men that are just too tall for the guard-oriented style that the Rockets deployed a year ago. So they need more length, they need more physicality, and so you're going from one to three. Like I said, last year, you essentially had just Trevor Ariza to guard those types of guys with the requisite length. Well, now you've got Ariza, Tucker, and Baamute, and I think that's going to make a huge difference for the Rockets in terms of their defensive versatility, and that's something they stressed going into this offseason. Now, I thought Tucker alone addressed it, but the more the merrier. If you can get three instead of two, you will absolutely take it. So I think it's going to be a big difference for the Rockets uh, defensively. Offensively, it's not like he's a major contributor, but the thing is, this year, I don't think offense is going to be a big deal for the Rockets because when you have Chris Paul... James Harden and Eric Gordon as your backcourt, the idea is to have two of those three on the court at all times. So I think it's actually easier to hide someone like Bob Mute, who isn't much of a contributor offensively, when you have two playmakers on the court at one time. Now, last year, if you had, especially coming off the bench, if you had tried to bring in Bob Mute with no Harden, essentially Gordon being the only playmaker on the team, then you might could have gotten in some issues where his lack of playmaking, talking about Bahamute here, could cause you some issues. But now that you're going to have, you know, two of those three, Paul, Harden, Gordon, on the court at all times, then I think that gives you a lot more flexibility with a defense-first guy like Bahamute and being able to hide him a little bit because the Rockets will be able to have multiple guys on the court at all times who are capable of creating their own offense. So while, yes, he's a defense-first player, he's not going to blow anybody away offensively, I think the composition of the team after the Chris Paul trade makes the Rockets more prepared than ever to have someone like Bahamute in the rotation. Now, as far as what it means for the rotation, this about finishes it up. Like The way I look at rotation minutes, there's 96 minutes a game from the guard spots, the guard spots, excuse me, 96 minutes a game from the forward spots, and 48 in the middle. So you look at the guard spots, uh, that's pretty clear. You're going to have about 32 minutes a game for Chris Paul, 36 minutes a game for James Harden, and that leaves about 28 or so for Eric Gordon. And you could tweak those a little bit, but the point is those three guys are going to play the majority of your minutes at the guard spots. 
forward spots. You're going to have Ariza at about 30. Right now, you probably have Ryan Anderson about 26 or so, which leaves 40 minutes off the bench. And that's being conservative because, yes, Ariza and Ryan could play more minutes, but I think the Rockets want to keep those minutes down to keep them fresh for the playoffs. So if we're conservative then, which you can be, then that leaves 40 minutes off the bench for P.J. Tucker and Bob Mute. Right now, I'm going to guess probably about 15 minutes a game for Bob Mute and 25 for P.J. Tucker because we know they prioritize Tucker a little bit more based on their level of investment. But the point is, those four minutes are spoken for, and if they're able to trade Ryan Anderson for Carmelo Anthony, then those minutes are only going to get even tighter. And then, of course, in the middle, I think you're going to have Clint Capella, the starter, hopefully playing about 30 minutes a game, and then whoever the backup is, either Nene or Tarek Black, getting to 18. So the point is... You basically have a nine and a half man rotation now. You have four guys off the bench plus uh, Tarek Black as a potential to play if Nene needs a night off or if the matchup maybe needs a little bit more speed and athleticism than what Nene can provide at this point in his career. So uh, the minutes are spoken for. So you could, I said before that you could go into the, the season already with the rotation they had, and you could, but you'd be stretching it because you'd want, in that case, you'd probably have Ariza closer to 35 minutes, um, Ryan Anderson closer to 30, and same for P.J. Tucker. Now you can have everyone you know, in that middle range, and it gives you a lot of flexibility. Of course, when I say Ariza 30, Ryan 26, P.J. 25... Bob Mute 15. I'm not saying those are going to be the same from game to game. A lot's going to be who's the better matchup, who's the hot hand, et cetera, et cetera. That's just my rough guess at averages. But the reason I'm making that rough guess is to show you that right now, you it's not easy. I, I don't know if it's possible at all to slide someone else into a true rotation role. With Bob Mute, I think your rotation is set. And a lot of people, myself included, thought that this final rotation spot might be more of a guard, but it didn't have to be because... I know last year the Rockets played small a lot, especially after the trade for Lou Williams. But the fact of the matter is, now that you have Chris Paul and James Harden and those minutes are going to be staggered, you are going to have a point guard on the court at all times. So you do not have to have a proven backup point guard per se, because with one of those guys on the court, assuming health, then whoever is also on the floor is going to be playing off the ball. And I think at times last year, even though we thought that Lou would be perfect for the scheme, the Rockets' lack of length did get exposed, especially against San Antonio. So essentially, I think what you're doing is seeing a more traditional look. You're seeing those minutes that went to the likes of Lou Williams in the playoffs going back to a more Corey Brewer-type guy in terms of his length, which is what the Rockets had the first 40 games of the year when they were also at their very best, 31-9, and and had some really dynamic defensive performances in there as well. Now, again, I'm not campaigning to get Corey Brewer back here. I recognize his deficiencies. What I'm saying is that the Rockets do not have to play as small as they did with all those guards in the playoffs. It was just a combination of Lou was the best guy available at the deadline. Corey, they kind of had to move on from because his lack of three-point shooting was just killing them in Mike D'Antoni's offense. But you don't have to play that small. You can play that big. So in essence, yes, you can replace some of those minutes that went to Lou Williams with the likes of Bob Mute or um, P.J. Tucker. So even though they're not guards per se, you can roll with this as your rotation. And I think the odds are good that that's what the Rockets are going to do. Now, again, I'm not saying the Rockets are done. They aren't. I do think they would like to add one more proven veteran guard, even if we assume that Isaiah Taylor is going to spend the majority of the year with 
the Rockets, as Mike D'Antoni alluded to at the Summer League last week. I think he's been a revelation for them in Las Vegas, and so I think they're pleased with Taylor. Also, I think we all know that Bobby Brown's going to come back. Let's be real. We, we all know that. But even with all that, I think the Rockets would be open to adding one more guard at a minimum level if the right circumstances align. I've mentioned Leandro Barboza before. That's because despite the minutes being spoken for in the rotation, we know there are going to be maintenance games for Chris Paul at 32 years old. That's just going to happen. And that's even if he's able to stay healthy and doesn't have, you know, the finger injury or something flukish like he's had the past couple of years. There are going to be maintenance games for Chris Paul. There might be a few for James Harden. And so when that happens, you'd want someone to be able to step in and play some minutes. And I don't know if you want to give all of them to to an unproven Isaiah Taylor at this stage of his NBA career. So I think the Rockets are going to be open, at least, to making one more veteran signing at the minimum, possibly a guard. However, it might be a little tougher. You might not be able to get a guy with as many options as Ba Mute, because Ba Mute, I think you can get him on the condition of saying, hey, we can get you at least 15 minutes a game, if not more, and here's how, and they can break down the rotation the same way I just did. Whereas for the guard, not only are they not going to get the money, but the Rockets aren't even going to be able to offer them consistent minutes. So it could work, especially with a super veteran like Barboza. That's why I've thrown him out a lot, a guy who might be happy to sit on the bench and just play whenever needed. But I don't know if you're going to get someone that's truly as much of a value as Ba Mute because even though he's taking a little bit less minutes and certainly less money, he is going to be a part of the rotation. He is going to get to play. So that's why, that's part of why they were able to get such a good deal of this. I don't know if the Rockets acquire a guard. They still could, but I don't know if it'll be quite as much of a value as Bob Mute just because the Rockets are not going to be able to offer as guaranteed a path to playing time. Because right now, in my opinion, those minutes are, are spoken for. The rotation is basically nine and a half deep right now, and you could open the season and feel very good that this is, in my opinion, the clear second-best team in the NBA, only behind the Golden State Warriors. So, Ba Mute, it's a big signing as far as what it means. I think, yeah, definitely you feel good about the forwards and center spots now because now in addition to your starters at the forward spot, be it Ryan or Carmelo, you've got Tucker and uh, Ba Mute behind them at the center spot. You've got uh, Nene and Tarek Black behind uh, Clint Capella. So I think you're feeling very good about your depth up front, and we're not even talking about the younger guys. Hopefully they're still able to keep Troy Williams as well, although we'll wait and see. As well as Troy played at the Summer League, it's entirely possible now that after uh, Ba Mute signing that he might want to go somewhere else that he has a clearer route to playing time, but we'll have to wait and see. I'd love to be wrong. I would love to keep Troy. The more depth, the better. But the point is, in terms of outside additions, Troy is kind of an inside because he's already on the team, doesn't have a contract yet, but there's certainly a lot of familiarity there. Outside, I would think they look at guards from here on out, because the forward and center spots, you might see a few little moves, you know, if someone's a true value, doesn't have any other options, Rockets, Daryl Morey, they're always going to be open to bringing in the best value for the buck, so you can't rule it out, but I think as far as priorities, roster's filling up pretty quickly, and if they make any more additions outside of the obvious, because we all know that Bobby Brown extension, <laughs> extension uh, one-year signing is coming at some point soon, I think it's going to be uh, the guard spots where the Rockets focus any more minimum signings after that. Because, yeah, Bob Mute, he's absolutely a rotation player. Not only does he give you more defense, which the Rockets sought, even without the offense, he was a plus 261 in the plus-minus last year. The Clippers were just point-blank, and this was a pretty good playoff team, a team that was 20 games over 500, that they were a much better team with Bob Mute on the floor. 
So I don't think it's a debate at all. He's going to be in your rotation, and he's going to play at least 15 minutes a game. And even if that three-point shooting percentage of 39% last year isn't fully sustainable, he's still going to be a real impact guy. So I'm excited about it for the Rockets. And beyond that, the thing I'll close out this podcast with is reminding you folks, don't ever worry about depth trades when Daryl Morey is your GM. I said this yesterday, but so many folks after the Chris Paul trade, no one was down on it, but a lot of people were saying, well, look at the guys you had to give up. Decker, throwing in Montrezl Harrell at the last minute, both Beverly and Lou. You gave up, at times, four proven contributors from last year's team, and there was a lot of hand-wringing, not necessarily from the Houston fans, because I think you guys get it, but nationally, oh, you're giving up all these guys for one. Well, the hard part of the job, especially for someone as accomplished as Daryl Morey, is acquiring the stars. We've seen Daryl even back in 2010 through 2012 when he had no stars to recruit with. Now he's got both Chris Paul and James Harden to help with recruiting. But even when he had no stars, he was able to have really good depth, especially, especially now that he has those stars to recruit with. Even with limited resources, he can fill out a roster. And the thing about the NBA free agency this year, we all, we've all seen it. Salaries are contracting more than ever. People perhaps are overreacting to the fact that the salary cap is going to contract in the next couple of years. So there are some absolute bargains out there on the market. And yeah, when Daryl Morey is your GM, even with limited resources, he can fill out a roster. So those of you that were worried about depth, having to throw in Montrose Herald to make the math work, well, look, within three days, you signed Tarek Black and Luke Bahamute, two guys that were legitimate contributors a year ago and absolutely can be bench players on a contender in today's NBA. So that's the last thing, is that if you get a star and you have to throw in depth to make it happen, you do it, especially when Daryl Morey is your GM, because he knows the landscape well enough, and especially now you have Daryl Morey scouting combined with the natural recruiting pull of guys like Chris Paul, James Harden, and the fact that Houston is a true destination city. Folks, you don't have to worry about depth. When you're the Rockets, especially now, that's going to take care of itself. And so more than anything else, that's what Bahamute and Tarek Black represent to me is a reality that, hey, if the Rockets have to throw in an extra guy or two to facilitate a trade for a star, you do that because the infrastructure is in place here now to where, yes, the the depth issues, the smaller things, those things are going to take care of themselves. You're in a good spot now in Houston, not just in terms of this roster, which should win 60-plus games, but an ability to continually replenish itself uh, should the need arise to trade some of those guys for a future star. Now, I don't think that'll have to happen for Carmelo. I think it'll end up being, if and when that deal occurs, Ryan Anderson and some smaller parts. But if you have to make another move down the line, don't sweat the small stuff. Daryl Morey is going to be able to replace those role players. It's just fine. So, with that said, I'll wrap up this brief abbreviated version of Locked on Rockets. God, it felt so good to actually talk about something other than hypotheticals, to be able to talk about something concrete for a change. Made made it through a podcast, only I think mentioning Carmelo twice. And yeah, as much as I want Carmelo here, I think he'd be a good addition. Yeah, it's great to talk about things that we actually know 100% are going to happen as well. So, if you've tuned in throughout all the Carmelo Gate episodes and are now back to real news... Thank you so much, because hopefully in the days ahead, we'll have uh, more news and not just rumors. But whatever the reason for you listening, I appreciate it. And if you're not already following me on Twitter or the show on Twitter, I strongly encourage you to do so. I am available at Ben DuBose. The show is at Lockdown Rockets. And also email us, LockdownRockets at gmail.com. Questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better program. So as far as what's ahead with Bob Mute in the fold, as I said, I think that fills out the rotation. You could have... 
one more guard signing, but I don't think it'll be for a proven rotation role, so I don't know if it'll be quite as much of a bargain signing as Bamute. I think we're also going to have Bobby Brown re-signing at some point. That definitely seems inevitable given his relationships with the team. And then beyond that, we're all just on Carmelo watch. We'll see how this unfolds this week because at some point it sounds like the Knicks are going to get a meeting with Carmelo. Presumably he'll tell them that he wants to go to Houston and we'll have to see exactly how Scott Perry and Steve Mills respond to that. Are they essentially going to try and call his bluff and say, hey, we'll bring you back? Or are they going to do right and say, hey, we respect that you have no trade clause. We respect that we told you as an organization that you're going to be traded to Houston and we're going to find a way to make that happen. I think we'll start getting clues within the next few days as far as what path the Knicks are going to take. We're not there yet, but I think certainly there's an introductory press conference for Scott Perry today in New York. And after that happens, I don't think it'll be that long before we start to get some real movement on that front. But for now, uh, get some rest, everybody. Enjoy whatever happens this afternoon. There is going to be a press conference at Toyota Center in a little bit from Tad Brown. That's CEO of the Rockets. We're going to be announcement at 2 p.m. I think that's going to be more business-oriented than actual on-the-court stuff. It was If it was something on the court to the transaction, I'm pretty confident that Gerald Morey would be involved in the announcement. But uh, whatever it is, we, of course, will respond to that. Uh, we'll keep you covered on Carmelo and anything else that develops in the next few days or even hours involving your Houston Rockets. So for now, have a good day, and I'll chat with you guys very soon, I'm sure.